In the wrestling world, the people are represented by two separate but unequally important groups. The wrestlers and bookers, who literally do all the hard work, and the fans, who endlessly nitpick and overanalyze everything they do. These are their stories. Welcome to Raw and Order, the wrestling booking unit, the only wrestling podcast on the planet that's broadcasting live from a secret bunker underneath the White House. Or not. I am your host, Detective Mark Sparks. I am not there. (laughs) And I am joined by my partner in crime fighting, District Attorney Vincent K. Fabe. What's going on, man? How are you? Uh, uh, well, I'm not muted, so that says something for me. Um, you know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't open, open this thing up muted. That's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, I gave, I gave you a little bit of free reign. Also joining us, but currently muted. We'll see if he figures out how to unmute himself. Is our RCMP from up north, JLB? No, no, looks like yep, that, that was him. Okay, so. Yeah. What what's really funny is I have the ability to mute remotely, but it doesn't give me the ability to unmute. So he's got to figure out how to do it to get back on this call. Yeah, he could actually just hit the the, the microphone button. That you can mute me, you can boot me, but you can never forget about me. It's your boy Justin JLB. We are not from the bunker from under the sea. We're not near Agent Orange. We are at our own home, still isolating, still washing our hands, and still being more fantastic than ever. I am good, guys. How are you, Officer Mute? And Officer Kayfabe. <laughs> What's going on? Man? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Um, I'd like to remind everyone uh, right off the bat that Raw and Order WBU is part of the Tatnus Co. Podcast Network. So, of course, once you're done listening to this, head over to tatnusco.com, uh, click on the network page, and you can see all the other episodes, all the other shows that are in that, and go listen to some of them because there's a lot of great, great content over there. But Do it. Yeah. This week... Um, we're kind of in kind of a weird spot. Um, it's we don't normally do full shows on the NXT takeovers, uh, mostly because until recently they've coincided with a WWE main roster pay per view. Yeah. Um, and so, but this this was the first one where a takeover was 100% separated from a main roster pay per view. Yeah. And on a Sunday. On a Sunday. And it was also in all of our houses at the top of that. Um, and so yeah. we're we're mostly going to be talking that um, if if uh, if the others have any like crimes they want to put in, we're going to do the same old crime reporting as we normally do. But for the most part, I think we're going to do NXT Takeover. Uh, it was enough stuff happening at it to be at least worth talking about. And I had storylines too. That was a lot of fun. It it wasn't like going into it. It wasn't a really sexy card if that makes any sense. Like, there weren't a whole lot of those matches where it's like, oh, I just got to see that. Well, uh, and, and I think that's why I like the one I like so much is because there wasn't a whole lot of... I, I didn't feel any build for that, and it was pleasantly surprising. Mm-hmm. Pleasantly surprising. So There were some that were pleasant, that were brutally disappointing, though. Yeah, it was, it was kind of an up and down. Um, this is the first it's takeover... 
up and down. Uh, this is the first takeover in a long time. Um, maybe as long as I've been watching takeovers that I can't 100% say that it blew main roster pay-per-views out of the water. Oh, wow. I really? really Compared it. to Money in the I, Bank? I, I, I thought this was great. I thought it was great. I'm just saying that, that like, every other, you know, takeover uh, Brooklyn before WrestleMania in New York uh, I made the argument that TakeOver Brooklyn was better than WrestleMania. You know, all of these going back and forth, I've had that argument that the TakeOver might have actually been the better pay-per-view. But uh, reports have it that they filmed Backlash before, like during today, before going live with uh, the, take uh, the TakeOver in your house. And, and I'm not saying this was a bad pay-per-view, but it wasn't, to, in my opinion, to the level of previous TakeOvers overall. Well, and, and I'll, I'll semi-agree on, on one grounds. The stories that were told, one of them was a really long story, the Tegan Knox story, obviously, um, which is the first match, and we'll get to that. Uh, several of the others just haven't been around long enough to really overly invest in. And some of them were just like, so this is a thing? <laughs> like, okay, so this is a thing. Cool. Like, for example, Tommaso Ciampa losing in three straight takeovers. So this is a thing. Well, I mean, even even more of it came to... I think we only found out about the takeover in your house like two weeks ago. Maybe just yeah. three. You know? Was, well, where they're like, I, oh, by the way, in two weeks emphasis, we're going to have a paper. I think there was a lot of emphasis on the in-your-house aspects. Um, Todd Pettengill was there. Yeah. They did, they did a whole lot of old-school throwbacks. They even had had one of those scenes that was making fun of uh, scenes from the 90s pay-per-views where they were like, oh, look back here. Here's your favorite superstars on AOL chat chatting with uh, the fans. Uh, and there's <laughs> DX the back there. Number. <laughs> yeah, call the 900 number. Wait, what? Wait, 900 um, numbers aren't a thing anymore? They, they even had kind of the silly in-your-house set with a door that the people walked in through at times, you know, and then locked the door. One, um, one person, yeah. That. But but my point is, you know, this kind of cheesy set that that goes back to the 90s. And so I got a kick out of some of that. But I think in many ways, this was this was the example of short term build that didn't lead to a good overall payoff because we didn't have enough build for it. You know what I mean? I, th I think I think it's going to be a build as well, though. Like, I don't think Tegan Dakota is over. Oh, no. I don't think a lot of these are over. Um, uh, I think I, there's going to be comeback matches against uh, for a lot of these. Yeah. Um, I think the only one that I can 100% say is supposedly over um, would be the Adam Cole versus Cole. Velveteen Dream. Yep. Uh, if only because they built Mr. Baby, yeah. yeah, because they built it in the storyline that the reason it was the backyard brawl was that it was the last chance for Velveteen Dream to challenge for uh, the title. So, which makes that a spoiler because yeah, it is over if that's yeah. the case. So um, until Adam Cole Baby loses the title, which yeah. probably happens in between now and November, but we won't get into that. Well, so, yeah, there, there's about, even... Start off. Let's talk about the Mia Yim, Mia Yim, Shotzi Blackheart, Tegan Knox versus Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, and China. Ra Raquel Gonzalez, sorry, not China. Yes, not China. <laughs> not quite as buff as China. No, obviously, not, not even 
close. But did you obviously make the reference to China? I mean, at least because the ninth wonder of the world. No, she's not. Now, now the one thing you mentioning November for Adam Cole, reports have come out that he may have actually signed a long-term contract last year extension. Uh So we don't know. It's there's conflicting reports. There's some people who are saying no, his contract's up in in the towards the end of the year, and then there's other people who are saying no, no, uh, towards the end of last year he signed a long-term contract extension. So we don't know. But that's so her on that podcast that... was bull bananas because didn't she mention on a podcast that we might be seeing him soon or something? Uh, she didn't specifically say we might be seeing him soon, but she said something like you never know. You know, uh, to hint at it. But that's the deal, I think. I think they understand that the hinting at things brings way more traffic than actually saying yes or no, right? I mean, even if it's a 100% no, you hint that it might happen, and then people talk about it. We're talking about it, right? And so, then we talk about uh, about Adam Cole's Adam Cole Bebe's teeth and how fantastic they look. Yes, they are fantastic. <laughs> um, speaking of Mr. Bebe, before we get into the thing, um, if you guys haven't had a chance, hop on the YouTube channel for Kenny Johnson. If you Google that, he does. He's done for many years. Uh, little short documentaries on. Uh, a lot of independent wrestlers, uh, many of whom are no longer independent, like Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae, uh, um, Joey Janela. He did a one called Please Don't Die, Joey Janela. Um, and he did one on Adam Cole back before he was before he was even in Ring of Honor, you know, way back. But it was pretty brilliant because he was at the time he was established in the local scenes and everything and he was definitely a heel and he looks almost nothing like his current character right it's obvious him but but he's so much younger of course but it's it's just a totally different look but he plays a heel character and he talked about it at at one point and when watching this it was instantly clear why he is so good at being what he is because he understands that the the whole point of a good heel is to make the the face look great, right? Because he's talking about this match he's got with with this new guy. It's only this guy's second match ever, right? Out of training, and and he says, you know, other people came up and said, so you're not gonna let him get like any offense, and you're just gonna destroy him, right? And Adam Cole, baby, this might be pre baby. But anyways, uh, said, why would I why would I just destroy him? That doesn't make him look good or me look good, right? My job as a heel is to make him look great and have a great match with him. And yes, I might I might win in the end with some chicken shit tactic, you know, like heels do. Um, but in the end, uh, you know, my job is to make sure the match is great. And that's really, I mean, it's what Flair understood, is that the whole point of, of a good yeah, heel yeah. is match. Yeah. The whole point of a heel in a match is to make the face look good in the end, even if it's making the face look good in defeat, right? And I do think we see that tonight in in matches, not necessarily the Adam Cole Bay Bay match, but I think other matches, um, the heels, uh, you know, had a chance to make the face look good even in defeat. Um, so, so getting to that first match. Like you say, Shotzi Blackheart, Tegan Knox, and Mia Yim versus Dakota Kai, China, Raquel Gonzalez, um, and Candice LeRae. Um, 
<laughs> I didn't even hear that you said China, even though I made the joke first. Uh, I, uh, I I enjoyed this. I, I would say my only faults with this match is we didn't really get a lot of Mia versus Candice. We didn't get a lot of Shotzi, Raquel slash Shotzi, Dakota. We did get a finish with Tegan and Dakota, which was a plus. Um, and and it's maybe uh, I would love to see a Tegan versus Raquel without interference. Um, that's what I really came away from this with. Um, I don't know. There was a lot of cool spots, but it was a little spot monkey-ish in spots. So I don't know. That, what, what were your takes on it? My, my take overall, I, I agree. I think, um, I mean, it wasn't as long as it could have been, uh, but the takeover matches typically, um, their formula is is overall typically shorter matches for most of them and then a couple longer barn burner sort of things. Um, well, it's only a, a two-hour two hour show, right? Yeah, it was a relatively short show, and, and you know, that's another takeover thing that I think has benefited them, that they've kept their shows I feel like this one, this one could have gone a little longer, and they maybe could have thrown in that match that we've been praying for that didn't happen in the in the NXT Cruiserweight division. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been a really good opener had they had the the Fatal Five Way or Four Way. My my biggest takeaway from this though is it it seemed like they they crammed a couple too many people into this just for the sake of cramming more people into it, right? Yeah. Like, Shotzi of... and Candice really didn't belong in this, right? Candice and Mia kind of deserved their own match. Mm-hmm. Candace... I think they could have just done that, because weren't those two were the ones that left at the beginning? Or not at the beginning, yeah. but towards yeah. the end? Towards the end of the match, yes. Yeah, like... What was the point of that? You could, and then it's, it was just like, well, I guess it's a two-on-two. Like, what? We also didn't get a behind-the-scenes completion to those two battling, so oh, presumably well. they're still fighting in Florida. Nice. No, no, because we did see Candice LeRae later, so somehow or another she stopped fighting long enough to come out. And <laughs> Good point. Um, but that's that's kind of the deal. It was like I, it was like they were like, oh, we need to save Candice LeRae because she's going to be involved later. Um, but then don't don't put her in this match. Then you know, save her for later. That's fine. Um, you could if you if you really needed a third set of people in this match to make it a six way, which I don't think they needed to. This could have been a uh, the only reason making it a six way made any sense is six ways tend to have a little bit more leniency with tags and and stuff like that, right? Yeah. But but I mean seriously, just make it a regular two-on-two tag or make it a tornado tag where you didn't have to tag in or out or or just make it a just a i don't know a free-for-all that's fine i mean whatever you want to do but um there there were a couple parts where there there are obvious setups on the outside you know the the people standing around waiting for someone to do a dive a little bit off yeah which which made the timing go a little bit um there the one that i remember the most uh you had raquel gonzalez uh, I think Candice LeRae and and Dakota Kai all on the outside. I think it was all three of the bad guys on the outside. And Shotzi did did the run to do a dive to the outside. With um, Raquel Cotter. With Raquel Cotter. But it was like Shotzi kind of stutter stopped before she did her run to make sure they were in position. 
And because of that, it made it look way more obvious that Raquel was pushing to the front so that I can be in position to catch her. You know, it was, it, that was a timing issue. And some of it, I and, think, is... And that has been a timing issue for Shotzi's... Again, we've said this before. Shotzi's offense, or I've said this before, none of you have, but Shotzi's offense is is progressing in its timing. The first couple times I saw Shotzi, now I'm not saying that she hasn't been around for a while, but the first time I've really paid attention to her, um, I was like, ah, her timing, her offensive timing is just a little bit off. Her defensive is fantastic. She's ready to take the bumps when she's supposed to. But when she's handing out the bumps, it happened within the first minute of the match where she was going for a kick and she was like, I got to be in the right spot so I don't hurt you when I kick you. And th that's part of not being on the indie circuit anymore. That's tough because on the indie circuit, you don't want to hurt that other person on the pro circuit where you're where you're in this. Um, they take the bump wrong. That's on them, you know, or yeah. so. I, and I noticed that as well, Smarks. I really did. Um, I thought it was odd that they kept getting back up and, and having spots. Like, it became a spot fest right there. It was, someone jumps out, and th because then right after Raquel caught Shotzi, and then, um, yeah. was it, like, Power Slam, something like that, then Mia was in the ring and uh, had to do kind of a stutter step for her uh, springboard to springboard to the outside and take out everyone. And so because of the timing problem with the first one, it caused timing problems with the second one, which made them both look sloppy. Um, yeah. But I don't I don't want to dog on this. It was still a fun match. Oh, and, a lot of fun. And like you say, having Tegan pin Dakota Kai um, sets up Something a little bit more. Something roll up, thank God. Yes, an actual pin. Yeah. Actually hit the Chinese wizard and everything. Yeah, so no, it was a great. It was this. I only watched the first two matches technically, so um, that's the only ones I could really comment on. So yeah, it was just it was maybe just too spotty, like you guys did mention, and a tad short, a tad short, which is weird because they also botched a, a, a few of the spots too. So I guess they were really pressed for time, or the referee was like saying, "Hey, like hurry up, hurry up, hurry up," or I don't know what was going on, but it just seemed really rushed. They in my really, opinion i think they were trying to keep that sandwich under under two hours i really do mm -hmm. um, so. speaking of sandwiches after that match we moved to a ad for the ice cream sandwich bar which i have had and they are indeed delicious um but i'm not going to spend a ton of time on it except to say rick bugs was awesome in this ad and so uh that's all uh, we moved on to match numero dos. Finn Balor versus Damian Priest. A little surprised they put it this early in the card, but mm. but I, I really enjoyed the match. I'm just going to flat out say that um, Orton and Edge, to put on the best match ever, first have to have the best match of the year, and I think this is a solid candidate for that thus far this year. Um, if, if we take out cinematic matches, I think this is the best wrestling match of the year um, this was really good there were great spots um, we got to see Damian Priest athleticism come through uh, that spot on the outside was unbelievable so uh, Fowler ba Fowler geez, oh, Pete. Finn Balor knocks Priest over the top rope he lands on his feet um, Damian Priest 
avoids a shot from Balor and then hits him with a kick from the floor. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, he jumps back up on the apron and hits him with the kick. Uh, it was just, that sequence was really good right there. Well, yeah, um, it, was, it was really good because it was a box jump straight up to the apron. Yeah, you know? it was just it, so good. Oh, like no effort, just boop, I'm up on the apron. And <laughs> what just happened? Um, I really enjoyed a lot of this match, if only because it it got it allowed Finn Balor to show off his viciousness a lot. Um, because it's really solid bumps from Priest. I like oh, the whole yeah. good. Um, but like I say, it's, I wonder it's, if he actually got injured with that because uh, I felt like steps. his lower back. Yeah, like that, I feel like that his looked lower like back. that bad it it looks like it hurt they did interview him afterwards and he seemed fine uh but seemed fine and actually fine can be two different things altogether you know so so these guys is from their strikes really well too Mm -hmm. that was something i noticed like every every smack every hit was just it sounded like right there like holy smack they're hitting hard yeah um, but you know, it's it's a thing with Finn Balor that I think was missing on his main roster run is they always wanted him to be, him to be the nice guy, the good guy, which meant he couldn't be vicious out there. And right. ever since he came down to NXT, they've allowed him to be vicious. And one of my favorite things that they've allowed him to do, and they allowed him to do this a couple times, is when he's just stomping a mud hole into the guy near the ropes, where he just grabs the ropes and he just stomp, 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 and the referee's counting. You know, I'm gonna count you out. And he stomp, stomp, stomp. And then he lets go at the last minute. But he did it one time uh, on the guardrail on the outside. Damian Priest is down. He rolls out of the ring. And he's just stomping a mud hole into Damian Priest there. And the referee gets up to nine. And Finn rolls back into the ring to break the count. And then climbs back out and goes to stomp a mud hole into Damian Priest again. And Well, the ref was like, oh, come on, man. Like, yeah. The ref even really sold that really well. And, and that's the deal. It allowed him to be vicious, which is what the prince needs to be. And Damian Priest, and I still have a hard time not calling him Punishment Martinez because I still think that's a better name, but that's another point altogether. Um, Damian Priest was able to be vicious at times and to be this kind of cocky, I want to be a big dog uh, character. Um, and, and in some ways, it was that cocky, I want to be a big dog character that led to Finn Balor getting the win because Damian Priest set up the uh, stairs on the outside, the ring steps, in a certain way. And earlier on, had a chance to do a slam to uh, Finn Balor onto them, but instead slammed him on the apron. And then they just stayed there until the finish. And the finish came where uh, he was he was trying to set up Finn Balor for a um, Razor's Edge. I I can't remember if he had a different name for it himself. Um, But a Razor... I never remember. (laughs) It was the Razor's Edge. I just couldn't remember if Damian Priest is like, this is my Razor's Arrow or something. It's it's still called the Razor's Edge for him. But he was trying to set it up to Razor's Edge uh, Finn out of the ring onto that. Well, technically over the ring onto it because wasn't uh damien priest on the outside but finn balor was on the inside anyways um we're on the inside yeah and and finn balor is able to wiggle out of that at the last minute and uh then just nail him out of the ring or off the thing onto that those steps it was a brutal awesome thud thud. um 
and then get him back in the ring and hit two coup de grace uh, for the win. Which well, the one was on the back of the head like he had against Cameron Grimes, mm-hmm. so it wasn't it wasn't truly the coup de grace. It was more of a stomp to the shoulders. But yeah, I get what you're saying. But yeah, so so that it was a great match. It was like really? you say, very very possibly match of the night. I think some people will will argue for a different match, maybe. Coming up. Um, probably coming up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, possibly. ESPN actually put this lower than the next match. I think they're wrong. Um, I don't even think it's close. Like, I, I would actually put Charlotte's match about the next match. But um, Interesting thing I just saw on one page is that uh, this victory by Finn Balor makes him the only... A competitor in NXT to have won 11 NXT TakeOver matches. Well, you'd think Gargano would be close to that. The more you know. Boom, boom, boom. Um, The next match, however, speaking of Gargano, is Johnny Gargano versus Keith Lee. Okay, the story told for this has not built. I was not invested. Maybe that's why I didn't didn't feel big on this one. Anybody else? I, I think this was another example of a rush storyline because they only announced this takeover like two weeks ago and they're like, oh, we got to have a big name match, Gargano versus Keith Lee. I much rather would have seen this be uh, a mixed tag match, Gargano and LeRae versus Keith Lee and Mia Yim. Glad well, that's what they were going. Like. Well, and they did on Wednesday a little-ish. Well, I don't know because you didn't do your review. Oh snap! <laughs> you know, I watched it though. No. <laughs> so I haven't heard your review yet for the week. Oh, double snap! Uh, Has anyone heard snap. my review? No, no, no. Oh, man. no, no. no it's, it's, this is it's almost like it's a producer thing, except for that I really haven't recorded my review for Wednesday yet, and I will yeah. after this. So. Yeah, a lot, lot of this is my bad, but you got some bad, too. Guys, yeah. it's our fault. We'll all take the blame, and we'll all take the success together. There is no I in team for either one. There is a me. There is a me. Yeah. And if you look closely, if you spell team with capital letters, there kind of is an I in the middle of the A-hole. <laughs> um, anyways, Gargano versus Keith Lee. That's a visual joke because you really have to visualize it in your head. Capital A. There's a oh, there is an I there. Um, uh, Gargano versus Keith Lee. Um, like I say, I think this was a good match overall. It it really featured Keith Lee and Gargano being the chicken shit heel, you know? And I think that I would almost prefer Gargano be the cocky heel than the chicken shit heel, you know? But I I I have struggled with the last two Keith Lee pay-per-view matches. Um, He's so fun, so enjoyable to get behind, but but the, the... the routine, I almost said the F word, the routine is the same all the time with him. And and that's that's tough. I mean, the, the, he's got the, he's got more than five moves of death. He has about seven, you know? Oh, wow. so, um, and I'm not dogging him. I love the guy to death, but. No, know, but it's that same old story of he got rich and stopped trying kind of thing, right? Yeah, I mean, right. when was the last time we saw him do a Spanish fly? Oh, yeah. The one time we saw him do a Spanish fly, and it was on Dominic Dijakovic, and we were all so jacked about it. We all fell so in love with this guy, 
And we're not going to see it again? That's a... Like, that's a perfect opportunity for him to fail at something. And it, it, you know, I understand he's limitless. Okay, so we're going to limit him to these seven moves? Like, <laughs> he can miss a move. It's okay. You don't. He doesn't have to be Black Goldberg or, right. or whatever they're doing right now with him. Like Goldberg. I, I, I just... I don't know. I this is where I have trouble, and I have I have significant trouble investing in in um, Gargano as a heel at all. Yeah, I'm not a fan with his wrestling as a heel. Yeah, babyface underdog. That's who he is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's tough. That's why I I think having him as the chicken shit heel uh, does him a disservice because it's too close to the the plucky underdog sort of character, right? And I think instead having him be the cocky, I know I can beat you type heel because he's Johnny freaking wrestling would be would be better. And and you can still have him cheat to win and stuff like that. But, you know, they did a whole thing where he came out, he came through the door and then he locked the door behind him and he put the key in his trunks. Um, and he used it later. Be- because uh, the, the door being locked was going to stop Keith. Leave from from getting out. Getting out, and I mean, uh, never mind the fact that everyone else walked out and in through um, the big gaping holes to the sides of the door. Never but mind anyway, it was a cinematic entrance because there wasn't actually anything behind the door in real life. You could see the screens behind it. And so, so it was kind of one of those like weird things. And then there was a scene in it where he ran to the door because he was just going to leave. He was going to run away, chicken shit. And he gets to the door and he can't open it because, of course, he locked it. Uh, and he just kind of jiggles it, uh, uh, conveniently forgetting that he has the key in his <laughs> trunks. Um, scared. It's a doorway. Or that there's an entryway. Or, yeah, just, just right. Look just, to your right. You can leave that way. Right, <laughs> you know? Well, the I problem mean, is they spent too much time on it. That's the problem. It would have worked nicely as a, a, like a little gag if they didn't spend like a whole minute and a half on it. You know, if it was a 20 second thing where he tries to run to the door and then he grabs him right away. Well, you know? yeah. If Keith Lee was right on his heels. Right, and he runs to the door, and he tries to go through the door because he's thinking I can slam the door in Keith Lee's face and get a little bit more time, or something like that. Exactly. And then it doesn't open, and Keith Lee grabs him. That might have been it, but the fact that he just stands there jiggling it, and Keith Lee just slowly walks over to him like the Terminator, it kind of <laughs> fell flat. Um, yeah. In well, my I, opinion, which apparently, which apparently my opinion is not um, what NXT cares about, um, and my opinion is not what ESPN or Sportskedia cares about, because they both gave it better grades than the last match, and I disagree. Oh, you do? I thought you were kind of on the agreement stage. I'm no. Sorry. No. No. I, I, the the I, match that I think some people uh, might put up there above the Finn Balor match is actually going to be the main event uh, okay. because of events of it. So Yeah, I thought the women's match was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, so. Um, but in the end, Keith Lee got the, the win. We're, we're getting to it. It comes up later. All right. Not the first women's match, the last women's match. 
No, no, um, I get it. I was saying before we started the podcast, you guys really upped the uh, the Finn Balor match, but I heard nothing about the women's, and I was like, oh, was the women's match not that great? But we're going to get to that. Sorry, uh, Officer we, Meat. You can go we, on. We were it keeping... Guys, it was me. We were keeping the suspense on it because we didn't want to give away. Um... Keith Lee gets the win, uh, hits the spirit bomb and the Big Bang catastrophe, and pins Johnny Gargano. And I, that is that the end of? This? I hope that's not. I mean, because that, that means the feud's just over. Like Mia lot or Mia's team won, and Keith Lee's team wins. <laughs> won, and so uh, that that ends the whole storyline, even for the Gargano family. I'm just upset, though, because if you have Gargano as a face and Keith as just old Keith, I guess, with the non-seven moves, but a lot more moves to his belt, then, ah, just, I just, the match they could have put on, this wasn't their best that I've seen them do. Storyline for these two needs to be, we put on great shows, dude, let's see how good a show we can put on. That's it. It doesn't even need a storyline. a lot of fun. Or we put on great matches, but Gargano cheats to win, and leading up to uh, a match set up down the road that Keith Lee is able to engineer into a I can't lose sort of a situation. Yeah. You know, uh, but as of right now, it, it, it just seemed anticlimactic. And I mean, maybe it's setting up more down the road, but it didn't feel like it was. And that's kind of where it fell flat for me. It, it feels like it feels like the story's been told. We're done. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. No. Oh, okay. Thanks, guys. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> Make sure to tip your waitress. We're done. And now, I think we're on to what I would consider the worst match of the night. Oh. I, I wouldn't 100% disagree. Um, it was by far not my favorite. This was definitely, the... Well, not definitely. Close to the worst uh, cinematic match we've had. And, and I will give them some props for at least trying something different with cinematic matches. So, the yeah. Backlot Brawl. Uh, NXT Championship match, Velveteen Dream versus the champion Adam Cole, Bay Bay. Um, and I think some of it was a problem that WWE has been struggling with, with these... I'm not. I'm gonna even open it up. It's not even WWE. It's a problem that wrestling has, just in general, with these cinematic matches, in that they give them a name and then they don't really tell what that name means, right? Well, the the um, the ref. Well, what was the name of the match? The backlot just... brawl. Okay, it's like a backstage brawl, though. That's what I would consider it as. It's a brawl in a parking lot. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's what you. Would, but but there were like. There was more to it. First of all, this isn't the first time we've had a match called a backlot brawl. And the previous time that it was done, it was done on a Hollywood backlot, uh, which uh, is a, a a term for a place they film movies. Right. Uh, unbelievably good. Yeah. Um, and that's the deal. So they say backlot brawl, and they're filming in uh, Universal Studios area. I figured that they would maybe utilize that a bit, something. I don't know. But no, it was just, it was just, there was a circle of cars that were the perimeter and then a, a random ring set up in the middle of the circle. And Which I kind of liked. In the end, uh, the ref explained, and I liked this. I think they, sh- if they really wanted to do this right, they should have explained this two weeks ago or last week when they fully announced the match or whatever, you know what I mean? Backlot brawl, here's the rules of it, you know. But um, so the the rules were there are no rules. 
except the match had to end in the ring and the ref was only there, only there to declare a winner. You want to talk about a match that could have taken place the entirety of the night? Yeah. That's this could have been a let's check in on that backlot brawl. <laughs> oh, yeah, Adam Cole's still running. I mean, because they did a bunch of Adam Cole still running. Oh, my gosh, Dexter Loomis. That's yeah. creepy. So so it started off, Adam Cole showed up in a custom monster truck that said Undisputed Era on the side, and and he pulled it up. Part of the match. Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, in fact, the entrances might have been the coolest parts of the match, just in general. <laughs> yeah. um, so he he comes in this Undisputed Era monster truck and then backs up to the ring and then gets out and does his posing all in the bed of the truck. And then uh, Velveteen Dream shows up in a Lambo and yes. gets, gets out and he's dressed as Negan from Walking Dead. With the bat. With the bat, uh, of course. It no wasn't problem. a barbed wire wrapped bat because this is WWE NXT. They're not going to do that sort of stuff. AEW <clears throat> did it. Oh, geez, I had a cough there for a second. Lame. Um, but but he had the leather jacket on. He had the the whole outfit like Negan. Um, so it was kind of interesting. Although I don't remember Negan driving a Lambo. So I mean, you missed that episode. Yeah, I mean, here, here's the deal: is if it was the uh, zombie apocalypse, the first place I would go is to the Lambo dealer and buy one of those. They're super practical for the zombie apocalypse. Um, is that sarcasm? It's yes. a long road trip for you. And I mean, <laughs> you live in the 50th largest metro area in the country, and that's still a long road I, trip. I but... actually think I'm not going to Google it right now, but I'll Google it later. I, I think, think there's a 50th. I. I think there is a Lamborghini store in Omaha here. I'm pretty sure. sure. Pretty sure you're going to Kansas City. I, yeah. I, I, the only reason I, I'm pretty sure there is one is because I, I know at least uh, when I was when I've been out on my routes before, I've seen Lambos driving around here, and there's there's a couple like high end luxury car dealerships in uh, Bentley dealer. Yep, there's a Bentley dealer, and it might be that the Bentley dealer can stock Lambos. There's a Porsche dealer, Bentley of Omaha. Catch a sight of a Ferrari or Lamborghini parked in the parking lot. Denver. Jaguar of Omaha. Denver is the closest to me. De- Denver might be the closest actual 100% Lamborghini, you're correct. But I would not be surprised if you can buy a Lambo at the Maserati dealership. Um, which there is one here in Omaha. Uh, I, I have Chicago, a, uh, Chesterfield, Missouri. Chrono Specialty Auto Works sells Lamborghinis. Apparently, they're they're probably not a first party Lamborghini dealership, but I think Denver, or St. Louis, or Chicago is the closest for you, bud. It might be. I, but you know, here's the deal. I'm not saying I go get a brand new one. I'm relatively certain that Porsche of Omaha, Bentley of Omaha, or wow. uh, yeah. or Maserati of Omaha, I can find one. Um, I'm, my point still is that they're not not what you would want to drive in a zombie apocalypse. In no. fact, the I, uh, I custom the still was you wouldn't be able to afford it. Well, that's why you would go in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Fair Stupid. Enough. Uh, but in reality, uh, Undisputed Era's custom monster truck would probably be the better choice for the zombie apocalypse. Absolutely. Just, just roll True. over them, zombie. Runs on diesel. You can make biodiesel. Anyways, back to the map. Yeah, yeah. 
smell like smell like Mexican food everywhere you go. Um, back to the match because we went on a tangent because talking zombie apocalypse was more fun than talking this match. <laughs> so, so like you say, a lot of this match was Adam Cole running away from Velveteen Dream. Um, you know, this match had no rules, so Velveteen Dream could use the bat um, if he wanted to. So Cole demanded that Dream drop the bat before he gets in the ring, which made no sense because there's no freaking rules. Um, goes back and forth with, uh, you know, a little bit here and there. Adam Cole tries to hide in a car. Um, Mauro Ronaldo said he's trying to dodge this dodge Velveteen Dream, but I don't know if that's a dodge. It was 100% was a dodge. Um, it was an old dodge uh, stealth. No, it was a four door. Anyways, uh, Stratus, maybe. Anyways, um, and then, uh, uh, of course, Velveteen Dream uses the bat and destroys the windshield and, and the side mirrors and beats up. Does a bunch of swings to the just bare metal of the car, which I don't know what he thought that was going to do. Like, I mean, it wasn't Adam Cole's car, so it's not like Adam Cole was going to be angry. Oh, you did my car. Um, no, but it would just scare him, though, to get out of the car kind of thing. Yes. Isn't it? It's tactic. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I got that. <laughs> I, I get the idea, but here's the deal. Um, I'm going to put this to you. If you are inside your car and there's a guy outside the car swinging a bat at your car, does that make you want to get out of the car? Does uh, make me want to get yeah. out of the car? Well, he yes. Yeah, well, it depends, right? Because let's say in this situation, he didn't have his keys. So let's say, I don't know, he doesn't have his keys with them. He went inside to hide in the car. Uh, and the guy's coming with a bat and smacking the car. Guess what? You're gonna want to leave because you know he's close enough to probably hit you with the bat. So let me get get an opportunity to run away while he's trying to look in the car. I don't know. Either I way, I still think if he swung for the windows, it would have done that. But swinging towards the flat metal of the door doesn't do that. I mean, that door is designed to take impacts, right? Crash test rated. A bat's gonna put some dents in it, but it's not gonna not gonna cause the door to pop open on you. I, I feel like you're being very critical for nothing. I'm just saying. I feel like he's being very critical for a podcast. Yes. I'm also <laughs> saying that it, it this was just a, a kind of a pointless part in it. I get it, but it just was like, yeah, you know. About the only real thing is it was setting that car up to be next to the ring for a spot later. And I don't know if, if uh, it worked the way that they wanted it to. Uh, but Adam Cole got a little bloody in that spot later. So whether that was purposeful or not, I don't know. Uh, there was a point Adam Cole ran into the building and Velveteen Dream tried to follow him and just got a face full of uh, fire extinguisher. Nice. Which, yeah. Which they gave props to Shawn Michaels for. Yeah. Because, yeah, he was the only person to ever use a fire extinguisher. Yep. Only yep. one. Yep. 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 Anyways, in the end, uh, Dream slams Cole down onto the hood of the car. That's where Cole, his arm gets busted open a bit and he's bleeding. And out of nowhere, Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish pull up, which this is the thing that I've talked about before. If you've got a chicken shit heel um, or a cocky heel like Adam Cole, it doesn't matter. And they're in a match that has literally no rules. Why, Why aren't you wait? overwhelming them at from the beginning? Yes. Yeah. Why wait? Well, it and, makes no and sense. More importantly, why do they have to pull up in another car? 
Why aren't they hanging out in the car until he says, because I understand, you know, hey, I, I'm going to try and win this. I'm going to try and win this. I'll tell you guys when it's your time because he's the leader of a group. So, okay, I'll tell you when it's your time. But you don't hear him go, now's the time, <laughs> you know, or anything like that. They just they just pull up in a pull up in an Impala. Start yeah, throwing they some just, chairs in a ring. <laughs> yeah, how, how did they know that that was the time to show up? Did he have a special, like, button in his pocket where he's like, oh, if I get into trouble, I'll press this and it'll page you. Anyways, that's the deal. You know, like, yeah, they could have been just sitting in the monster truck. Those monster trucks have room for three people in them or have them sitting in the bed of the monster truck. It's not like, yeah, it's not yeah, like the ref could have well, said anything like, oh, you guys got to go. It was a four-door pickup. Was it a four-door? Yeah, so plenty yeah. of room. But, but that's the deal. It's, 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 it's gotten out like three of them. Yeah. So where's the fourth member of UE right now? Um, Kyle O'Reilly. I think he got injured, but I can't remember what it was. It was a movie or something. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It could have been storyline injury that was to cover up the uh, storyline film on a movie. Quite possibly. WWE here. Who knows? Anyways, um, so then then it's now uh, three on one. Although Cole is mostly just uh, sitting there going, uh, I'm hurt for the first part. And then from underneath the ring comes Dexter Loomis. Also, why did you wait? Yeah. Were, were you just sitting there going, oh, well, I'm not I'm not going to help unless the other Undisputed Era people show up. Which on the face side, I guess, is acceptable. But here's the deal. Use it as a show of force. Say, you know, have him climb out from under the ring right at the beginning of the match and set the chair up on the side and say, I'm just here, to, you know, as a backup sort of a thing. Or anyway. have him show up in one of those, you know, the room that Adam Cole wouldn't hit in. Nope, you're not going to run from him. Exactly. But that's, uh, I, I will want to say really quickly that I did get a kick out of the fact that apparently the entire bed of that pickup truck was full of chairs because that's where all of the chairs in the ring came from. Bobby Fish and, Kyle, uh, and and Roderick Strong got up into the bed of the truck and were just chucking chairs into the ring. I thought that was a little entertaining, though. Um, again, why didn't you bring one of the chairs to the fight right off the bat? Adam, yep. Adam Cole. Mr. Bebe was not thinking. Um, in the end, uh, Dexter Loomis uh, took care of Strong and Fish and put him in the trunk of the car and drove off. So it was back down to one-on-one. Um, fight a little bit more. Cole set up for the Pam- Panama Sunrise onto the chair, was countered into a Dream Valley driver, but kicked out and then uh, hit with, hit Dream with a low blow and then hit the Panama Sunrise onto the chairs to get the victory. So Adam Cole, still your NXT champion, and Velveteen Dream can't challenge... Can't anymore. challenge Cole for it. So I... I guess. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know what's next for, for you know, I mean, typically you work your way up over time and then you get your championship match and you either win it and you are the champion or you lose it and you go to the main roster, right? But And that's what's going to happen here because with all the rumors of, you know, him not possibly signed another contract and all that, I thought, okay, this is his time to go up to the main roster to try and convince him to be like, hey, sign another contract. You're in the main roster now. We love you. You know? In real storyland, it may be time for legal battles. Yeah, that that literally might be it. Uh, in, in the reason Velveteen 
Velveteen Dream Lost might be more tied to some real life stuff that happened. Um, that has been alleged. Alleged, yes. Real life allegations, we shall say. Um, we don't know all the details of it. We're not going to go into spreading the rumors about it or whatnot. Uh, but you can look it up. You can look it up. It's out there. I'm it's gonna public. Look it up. Um, well, we're not going to talk about it. Though, we're not going to talk about it. But so I no, was actually not... a little surprised because the rumors actually, the, the allegations happened right before he started this feud with Adam Cole Bebe. Well, right before his first match for the feud. Yeah. And I was a little surprised that they didn't just write him off after that match and be done. You yeah. Know? That, that's why I thought it was all done. And so I, I actually predicted him to win this because I thought, well, why do you do this match again? If you're not going to try and put it on him, and that's not all over with. If it wasn't all over with, then you just end it and, and you know, he kind of rides off into the sunset for a short while and comes back, has a return later on. But that's not what happened. <laughs> yeah. But I, uh, I'm 100% on the uh, Velveteen Dream is not main roster material bandwagon. Not that I don't like him. I think he's entertaining. I think he makes a good... Uh, uh, character on NXT, but his character would become No Way Jose on main roster. Yeah, absolutely would. And and he's one of them that just needs to stay in NXT because it's the only one of these places that would give him a shot at that. I mean, AEW would probably let him let him be that fly his freak flag all he wanted, you know. Um, but it's not gonna be a title contender. No. Uh, anyways. Moving on, we have the match that I might have been looking forward to the most of the night, um, and at the same point, slightly disappointed in the most. See, I thought it turned out exactly what, what you had to have this match be with what you're trying to build. Yeah, it, here's why I say slightly disappointing. Um, I don't think it, I don't think this match served what it needed to the way it needed to. I think this is a match that should have been a month or two of Karrion Cross in the making rather than Karrion Cross's... Oh, you're saying it was too soon. I think it was too soon. And I think his that's first, why... His first uh, takeover match needed to be a little bit more squashy. Well, and it, here's the deal. is I think it was fairly squashy. I just think if you're going to build up Karrion Cross versus Tommaso Ciampa, like, let's make this a long-term program uh, build-up. Let's let's build up Karrion Cross Goldberg style first. Maybe not... 170 matches Goldberg style, but you know what I mean? Give yeah. him a, a couple just... months worth of, of squashes before you put him in a major match. Uh, you could just build him up Brock Lesnar style for that matter. But uh, yeah. And so, and so I was looking forward to it. I just wasn't looking forward to, to it yet. If that makes any sense. Um, but Karrion Cross versus Tommaso Ciampa, of course, Scarlet out there with Karrion Cross. That bodysuit. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little disappointed that they haven't been using Scarlet more on her own because she's not just eye candy. She's a capable wrestler on her own and the well, NXT women's division can use some more. I mean, I'm not saying they're bad. They're, there's nothing wrong with the NXT women's division. Say it's but, probably the best women's division in. Yeah, but more, more can be better, right? If, if you can replace sure. Aaliyah with Scarlet, 
every once in a while. I'll take that, right? <laughs> um, they still had Karrion Cross come out to his huge uh, entrance with all the the fog machine and all of that stuff. It's faster um, now, though. It is faster. There's there's less of the stuff, and that's what they need to do because in the end, you know, four months from now, you're not going to be giving him a thirty second entrance every time. Yeah. I think know? this is. I think this entrance speed was about right. Um, in the end, this really it felt a little bit like a squash. Uh, Karen Cross just started off right off the bat on the offensive, and you know, Champa got a little bit of offense in here and there, but in the end. Um, Champa lost, passed. passed out to the cross jacket. It was uh, technically it was ref decision because he didn't submit. So uh, you know I've, that is a, a face move for Champa, I guess. And they've been having him right. as the face, so that's great. Um, I don't like him as a face. <laughs> I don't. I don't like him as a face. I, I prefer him as a heel. But in this particular situation. Uh, if you're going to have someone against carrying cross right now, it needs to be a face. Yeah. Um, but I think that's part of why I just wasn't ready for this match yet. I was excited for this match, actually, but not yet. Uh, but it is still uh, an example of even though the heel carrying cross won, Tommaso Champa still looked good in defeat. Right? And had a, a sequence so- of offense that was stellar. And and I'm curious though, why were you so disappointed? Did you not think that was going to be the result? Because they can't have him lose are, so are, soon. Are you serious? I just explained why I was disappointed. I was disappointed that they came to it too soon. Too soon, bro. Okay, but that's your only reason. But I'm saying, as that being the result, you still would have, because you wouldn't have had Chapa ever beat Cross even two months down the line, because Chapa is now considered, um, I guess. Yeah. An OG. No, I, I still would have had Cross win because that's how you build him up. I just think he needed a lot more build up before he finally got his match with. Effectively, Champa's the big dog of NXT, right? right. Yes, you can argue uh, Adam Golbebe being the champion, all that stuff. But when it comes to right now, face faces of NXT, it's it's Champa. He's there, you know. And so to build, I mean, here's the deal: you you have Karrion Cross beat some other of the big guys. Have him beat a Keith Lee. Have him beat a Dominic Dijakovic before he gets to Champa, right? He just he just put him straight to the front of the line and then had him win, which I would have had him do. I just would have had him do at Takeover, whatever the fuck September is. <laughs> right. That's that's why I say it might have been the disappointing, but I think it was just because of timing of it. Um, but I love Killer Cross, and I love the idea of Champa uh, passing out instead of instead of tapping. Um, Hashtag non monetized. Sorry, I was doing other things, so I couldn't say that. But... It's okay. I'm not worried about being monetized this week at all. <laughs> so, anyways, it was it was still a, a good match overall. I wouldn't put it in my top three of the night. I don't think. Um, maybe top three, maybe, but it's not one or two. You know, and I don't know. I mean, I think I think the the Balor match, Balor Damien Priest, would be above it. Yeah, I I think it's. I think it's maybe the fourth best match. Yeah, because uh, I I would put even though I I thought there were too too many c- 
combatants in the women's six-man match. That's I would have put that above it. I would have put that above this. Um, and then the main event I would have put above this. So yeah, I think that I think this would be at best fourth. Yeah. And that's just arguing, you know, the Keith Lee versus uh, Johnny Gargano match. You and I both were not as high on it as other people were. Yeah, yeah. There's other people who are probably saying that that was the best match of the night, and I don't think it was. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's the squashiness of it, you know. And damn it, Tommaso Champ is amazing. And if you build this out longer, you can give these guys the match they deserve. But this early, you're right. It had, unfortunately, this early it has to be a carrying cross squash, and because it has to be a carrying cross squash. We don't get the match that we we deserve, we want, we need, that this match deserves, you know? These two against each other should have been a great match. So, anyway. And I think that's why I was disappointed, just because of the... Because they didn't build to it uh, long enough, and then it was over so fast, it was effectively a squash, you know, I I think they could have done more. Now, they might be building up to a rematch down the road, because... You know, Champa can argue I didn't submit. It's that's the old game that they can play. Um, but for me, it it just wasn't. It didn't have that je ne sais quoi. You know what I mean? It didn't have that fire for me. Anyways, that that was some French for my French Canadian brothers. I enjoyed that. I thank you. Very kind well, of you. <laughs> you are welcome. Moving on to the main event. I was a little not surprised, but but sort of surprised that they put this match as the main event over like the cinematic match for the NXT title. I'm glad they did. I'm glad they did. It was a better match. <laughs> I I would have walked away from TakeOver if the cinematic match was the main event going, fuck this noise, I'm out, I think. Uh, sure. But this, this was, I would maybe argue this was my favorite match of the night. Um, I think this is the one that that to me beats the Balor match. Maybe not by a lot, but but at least a little bit, right? So it was Rhea Ripley versus Io Shirai versus Charlotte Flair for the WWE NXT Women's Championship. And this match was pretty much everything you could expect from three top tier performers. Yeah. I I was not as much of a fan of Rhea, Rhea kind of being the, the slug in this one. But if there was one thing I could change about this, I would have had it just be a one on one. Well, or just be a one on one match. And I know, you know, long story short, the reason they wanted it to be a triple threat is because they they want to keep Charlotte looking strong out of it. Right. Um, so just to get it out of the way. So everyone knows uh, Io Shirai wins by pinning Rhea Ripley. While Charlotte had Rhea Ripley in the figure eight. Um, And so Charlotte couldn't untangle herself in time to break up the pinfall. Um, We'll get to exactly the the details of it when we get to that part. But they did it this way. So Charlotte didn't lose the title, but she lost the title um, to try to keep Charlotte looking strong. My my problem with that is it kind of makes Rhea look weak in my book. And I would much rather have this been an EO versus Charlotte one-on-one where EO actually gets the win and gets the rub from beating the most decorated female athlete in WWE, right? Yeah. That that would have that would have set 
Io up on superstardom. It would have set Rhea up on superstardom if they would have had her win at WrestleMania, right? Uh, and, and it doesn't... It, it makes her weak, but it also makes her kind of heelish. No? For taking advantage of that situation? Io? Well, Io's been basically a heel for a while. Yeah. Well, you know, okay. ever, ever since... It's it's weird. She turned heel when she turned on Candice LeRae. And now Candice LeRae is heel, so... Frenzies again? Mm. Maybe? I don't know. Enemy of my enemy is my friend? Yeah, who knows? But, but still, so yeah, Io Shirai, Io deserves it. Io's phenomenal. I love Io Shirai. She, I loved her since she first came in. Her heel turn was was great because it finally gave her something other than, look, she was great in Japan. Because that was basically the only thing that they could t- say about Io Shirai when she first came in. The genius of the sky. And then her heel turn gave her some personality and it's really fun to watch her. Her entrance is fun. Right. Um, so I'm happy that she won. I just wish she would have won 100% against Charlotte instead of this. I pinned Rhea, uh, so I'm I win, but Charlotte didn't lose. Sort of a thing. I don't know. And that's being nitpicky. Um, the but no, minute. But at the same time, it goes to your point when you mentioned earlier. Uh, I don't think you mentioned it on the podcast, but when we were talking earlier, that what makes someone a great heel wrestler is how they make the face look in the match. Well, and like I said, it felt squashy against the face, against Rhea. It felt like Rhea really, with the exception of doing the ripcord to Charlotte off the second rope, um, and Io um, breaking that up, Rhea felt like she was the weak link in this match the mm-hmm. whole way through. I mean, the whole way through. Yeah. I mean, she was really, she was in it just to take the pin. Um, it was at least a shock, though, from this standpoint, because I think if you asked a hundred NXT fans going into this match, um, they would have said it was the opposite, that Io was in there to take the pin for Rhea. Um I would agree with that. Most people would have said that. And and so it was nice to see them them go the other way and give it to Io. Um, but performance-wise in the match, the way the match was set up, at least, yeah, uh, Rhea kind of just looked like a whipping boy most of it, you know? That's what she was there for. Try to do a big move on someone, get kicked, get beat up a bit, get pinned. Um, yeah. So in the end, like I say, uh, Flair lacked... Uh, uh, locked in the uh, figure eight onto Rhea Ripley, and then Io Shirai did her beautiful moonsault off the corner ropes. Uh, on I her face landed right, or her knee landed right on Rhea's face. It, it was terrifying for a second there. I was like, what just happened? Um, but landed right on, on Rhea and pin one, two, three, and because of the way she landed, Charlotte Flair's legs were still tangled with Rhea's legs. Charlotte Flair couldn't get forward enough to to try to break up the pin and couldn't get her legs free of the figure eight so that she could, you know. So it really was, I mean, it was an inventive ending. I will give them that because it used the strong suit of Charlotte to turn it into a weak suit. Um, and so I did enjoy that. This was, like I say, overall my favorite match of the night. Um, about the only... Only real complaint I have about it 
other than the complaints I've already talked about. Um, the only real is there's one point that they uh, that Charlotte put EO in a Boston Crab, but because Charlotte is so much taller than EO, I mean Charlotte's a tall girl. She's EO tall. Yourself back into it. Yeah, EO had to kind of help herself back into it because because effectively she was just holding her up by her legs and EO's head wasn't wasn't even near the ground, right? He was just hanging there and had to like use her own arms to pull herself back to underneath to make it into a Boston Crab. And Charlotte never sat down in the Boston Crab. You know, if you watch, uh, probably the one who does a Boston Crab, or in his uh, case, the Walls of Jericho, Chris Jericho's Boston Crab, he sits down. He puts his butt on your back. I thought she was gonna roll into the lion tamer because of how short Eo mm-hmm. was. There was a point where it looked like she was gonna put her knee in his back, in her back, and and roll with it, but that did not happen. Yeah, and so so that was my only like kind of nitpicky to the actual match itself. I still would have preferred it to have been Eo over over Charlotte by itself, but I get it. I get why they're doing it. I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, because I think you build a star better by having the new star beat the old star than having the new star get a win over someone else to win. To ch- you know what I mean? Um, well, I mean, remember, Rhea was was the cream of the crop not so long ago. You know, like this was this was a big push for her, mm-hmm. and and now you've you've all but buried her. Yeah. And. And in favor of Charlotte, who's over no matter what. Like, I'm not going to say, oh, Charlotte's going to be a champion. Ugh. Yeah. Well, no. that's the deal. Charlotte actually losing this match would not have hurt Charlotte in the league, right? Nope. No more than Tommaso Ciampa got hurt by losing to Karrion Cross, right? Correct. Doesn't hurt her. Um, and it set, would have set EO up as just the badass right but i i mean i get it i understand in the end we knew charlotte wasn't going to be down in nxt for long not that she actually was in nxt she appeared on almost every raw since she won the title um so she was still basically a raw superstar who just was like oh i'm also the nxt champion anyways what what uh brand is she in now technically uh technically raw raw okay um, so not technically. <laughs> well, I no, I say I believe because do do we even really know? They've they've done so many like uh, so and so has been traded to SmackDown for reasons um, recently that okay. I don't well, because I remember her promo where she says, "Oh, I'm on SmackDown now because they asked me to." So I think she is right. I think you are right about that. Cause she mentioned something about she's on SmackDown because of uh, the Fox people wanted her there because she puts in the numbers and so on. So I think technically she's raw. But but anyways, like we knew she wasn't going to stay down in NXT for long. She was she was put down there to try to raise the the prestige of the NXT women's division. You could argue she did, although she, uh, in the process she beat almost every woman in the women's division. Um, which I don't think really built the women's division as a whole. But at least if they could have had her build Io Shirai, that would have at least made something, right? 
but that that's what I was alluding to with my comment before a good heel is supposed to build up uh, the people that you face in the ring like Charlotte didn't have to win any of those matches they could have made it where Charlotte lost a certain way where she almost had it but she lost like even if she lost flat squash match we all know it wouldn't have hurt Charlotte but at the end of the day, we got to make it look a little bit more realistic because she is, woo, the greatest woman wrestler ever, or I don't know what she says, the hardest work, the hardest working woman anywhere. Um, but yeah, she could have done more though, because she won a lot too, which is weird. Like I get it, but we don't need you to win. We know you're awesome. You know, so that's so, my only... uh, according to WWE.com, Charlotte Flair is on the Raw roster, but I don't know how much we can really put faith in that because according to WWE.com, Booker T is also on the Raw roster, as is Charlie Caruso, um, and and Mr. McMahon is on <laughs> the Raw roster, no. and Renee Young is on the Raw roster, wow. and so is okay. Triple H. <laughs> Are you... This is WWE.com? This is WWE.com. Oh my God! Okay. So, um, so yeah. Jesus. It, it, it says a lot that uh, they put the entire McMahon family. Oh nope, they also appear on the SmackDown roster. So I guess they're both. I don't know. They they really shouldn't be either because they're not wrestlers. They're ownership. Anyway, um, they we're fired the webmaster. Yeah. But uh, but so this was my match of the night, I think, for me. Although I understand the argument for the Finn Balor match, and that would be a very close number two for me. So it goes back and forth. But at the same point, for for both of those matches, that cinematic match was just meh, and the Keith Lee uh, versus Gargano match was meh. So for me, that's why I say this was kind of an up and down where it had some really good matches. The matches that were good were all really good. And then it had some meh matches that we don't typically see in a takeover, in my opinion. So mm. um, so like I say, we don't normally give like ratings on the pay-per-views so much. Um, so I'm not going to give it a star rating per se. I would say, I don't know, B plus overall, maybe yeah. A minus. Yeah, I mean, it was a takeover, and and that's the hard part is that at the end of the day, when you have a takeover, you have a better match mm-hmm. or a, a better show than WWE I, normally puts on. You guys got to understand, too, though, they're so good with their takeovers that, you know, they're going to have to have some flops because their takeovers generally are jam-packed with a lot, like at least maybe six of the seven matches are spot on. You know, and to do that every takeover or mostly every takeover, it's it's hard to do. So, can, this was all right. Yes, there was some man matches, but the Keith Lee match wasn't necessarily, you know, as bad as you know the Adam Cole match, or as bad as um, uh, the Champa. Well, yeah, the Champa match was not that great, but it was still understandable. I think the cinematic match was probably the worst match of the night like you mentioned but i, I don't know i'd go to 3.2 out of 5 which i guess would so relate the guy who didn't watch the whole show. yeah so it's the guy who didn't watch it all so but here's the deal 3.2 out of 5 so that is a uh 6.4 out of 10 
um, which overall would be I, I'm, I'm just kind of doing the math here. Oh, that's way less than a B plus. So you you trying to uh, say we're being hard on it? You gave it a worse grade than we did. Well, listen, <laughs> you gave it a 64 percent. Okay, fine. I don't know. I rate really weirdly though. Um, that's a, uh, that's all I'm saying. We both we both said like B plus A minus, and you're like, oh, you're being too harsh on it. And then you gave it a sixty four percent. If you got a sixty four percent on your grade in in class, would that be a B plus or an A minus? I you don't think so. Well, it should be Canadian grading. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's grading in Celsius, so you have to. Uh, multiply it by two and then add 32 or something like that. I wish we have, I wish we did other NXT TakeOver ratings so we could go back and see what you might have rated another one and then compare the two and then I could just shove it in your face if you messed up because B, I, B plus I feel is maybe still a bit generous maybe a B or a C plus in that regard. Well, that's the deal. Hold on it. I just, I have high expectations for NXT takeovers, and so they get a little bit of a bonus there in my book. But, you know, like I said, it had two math matches and a bunch of great matches, so I can't give it a low score, but, I mean, other takeovers... One of those math matches was a math match because we went, God, I kind of expected better from these two. That's it. Now, I think it also plays into the fact that we are only a few weeks removed from AEW's Double or Nothing that was a near-perfect pay-per-view, in my opinion. And so even having two meh matches is going to bring you down, in my opinion, right now. You know what I mean? Uh, And yes, we can't compare them side-by-side because AEW is technically main roster for their their thing, and it was their biggest pay-per-view of the year sort of a thing. So you can't directly... But it's like we had such a high in Double or Nothing, and then come to this, this this was just a a rare misfire for Takeover. Um, it wasn't a horrible one. It, this this wasn't Hell in a Cell level where we come away from it and we just bitch for four hours. Um, <laughs> so um, true. And and I do have to tell all the listeners, I don't know how long the Hell in a Cell uh, wrap up podcast ended up offhand. Um, but it was not four hours long uh, in the final edits and everything. But the actual podcast did not contain everything we had to say about Hell in a Cell last year. So, uh, one thing I want to say, I really enjoyed the uh, the streamers and the confetti for Io Shirai winning. Uh, yeah, that was that was tons of fun. Callbacks to to uh, the Japanese traditions of streamers when you put on a great match and. And, and all that stuff. So it was really fun to see that. Um, I like when your main event is celebrated in the end. And I hope that WWE, I hope AEW uh, takes takes that sort of thing and runs with it, where the main event, the winner of it, gets celebrated like they just won the Kentucky Derby, you know? Well, they always seem to do it for Cody Rose, whether he's in the main event or not, so... <laughs> touchy, touchy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it would make sense. But what, do you still do that? You only do that for a title change, though. You're not just saying to do that randomly every main event. Well, no, but, uh, you know, arguably speaking, the main event is usually going to be a title match. And and so 
you know, they have streamers at the pay-per-view, even if it's the defending champions winning, uh, not the pay-per-view, the Super Bowl, even if it's the defending champions winning the Super Bowl for a second year, you make it seem like a big deal that the the main event ends with some fanfare. I'm fine with it. These are yeah. supposed to be events, right? Right. Have it set up. You can even you can even play it up in the build-up. You can have the announcers point out that above the ring, there's two separate things of of confetti, one of them matching so-and-so's colors and one of them matching so-and-so's colors. And in the end, you know, we'll see whose confetti comes down. Yeah, but Vince can't do that now because if he spends money on confetti and people are going to bitch that he could have saved that money on the confetti and kept some of his wrestlers. So, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Well, but he he spent money on a custom monster truck for this uh, (laughs) and renting a Lambo. And destroying a Dodge Stratus or whatever it was. I mean, not that that was a lot of money. I probably could have afforded to buy a Junker Dodge Stratus to beat up if I really wanted to. So I guess we'll give them a pass on that. But um, they they had money to build a fake door for a fake house for for a gag in one match. <laughs> yeah, true. Fair point. You're right. It didn't have to be a working door. Yeah, it didn't even have. Yeah, they couldn't. They could have even skimped on not put hinges on it. Just nailed it shut, and it still would have been the same sort of joke. Yep, that's true. Or, or I don't know. How about this? Have all of the people enter through the door, right? So it's not so obvious. That would have made the most sense. Exactly. And then your chicken shit running away heel can actually just be like, no, I'm locking them from coming out. Exactly. Uh, so I realized why I gave it a. Uh, I realized why I gave it a a, a, a C though, essentially, because there was no house awarded on uh, the in your house pay per view. They even mentioned it right at the beginning. They said, "And we are not giving a house away." That's. It. I was like, "Oh well, I'm turning it off." <laughs> but you know, in fairness, your your same point. If they had given a house away. Uh, every podcaster would right now be recording something saying, WWE can't afford to pay its wrestlers, but can buy a $48,000 house and give it away. <laughs> and, and just so you know, yes, I do know a $48,000 house would be a super cheap house. <laughs> I'm, I was just saying, I'm sign me up, but I'll take one right now. I'll move to America just for a $48,000 house. No, 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 you, you don't want to say that. No? Okay. No, you don't. Fair. I'll just stay in saying. Canada. Uh, just because the amount that you'd be giving up for that $48,000 house in terms of not having your universal health care. Um, no, that's true. <laughs> not getting political. <laughs> not get, not going to do it. Not going to do it. It's already been done. I, I do my George H.W. Bush uh, impersonation after he says not going to get political. <laughs> Anyways, so that is the end of the NXT TakeOver. I'm, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I just didn't enjoy it quite as much as I enjoyed previous TakeOvers in the recent past. Mm. Even in the not-so-recent past. I think going back three years, the TakeOver has almost always been my favorite of the WWE pay-per-views of any given time period. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's definitely the worst takeover in a hot minute. That's for sure. For sure. Even in a cold minute. (laughs) I'm old. I don't get this young guy spot. It might still be better than Hell in a Cell. Oh, definitely better than Hell in a Cell. Might be better than the Saudi Arabia show. 
Yeah, yeah, better better than the Saudi Arabia shows. We didn't have Goldberg nearly kill Undertaker. <laughs> True that. Um, so the only the only crime I, I thought of this while we were talking about it, the only crime that I really have, um, and I think DA Fabe will will uh, chime in on this crime is is a kind of a broad crime against WWE um, for the Drake Maverick storyline finish. And some of it's A, why did you give it away on, on free TV when you could have put this on the pay-per-view? Um, Absolutely. And, and B, and I said this before, I've talked about it on Twitter, um, I'm super happy for Drake Maverick. I don't want that to get misconstrued. I like Drake Maverick a lot. I like him better as Rockstar Spud. I'm hoping that his uh, new character, new gimmick in NXT is going to be more Rockstar Spudish. Um, based on his wrestling in this tournament, I think they're going to allow him to be a little bit more like that, and I'm I'm happy for it. But but there was no ending to that storyline that was going to be good all around, right? He loses and loses his job. We're still going to be pissed at WWE for firing him and then making, not making, but having him, parading him out for weeks um, just to lose his job. He wins the match and wins his job. We're going to be angry at WWE for fake firing him. I do 100% believe he was really fired, and I do 100% believe that they saw the crowd reaction to him uh, both in reality and then in this storyline and decided that they wanted to give him another shot. I do not think we were being worked the whole time. No. But but him getting re-signed after this in a way spits in the face of all of the wrestlers that were let go for real. For sure. Um, and that's where I, I, I just, I have a bad taste for it in a lot of ways because, you know, uh, Zack Ryder didn't deserve to be let go. Zack Ryder gave his heart and soul for that company for years, right? Uh, Brian Myers, uh, Kurt Hawkins, literally uh, went on a, what, two-year-long losing streak yep. for that company? For a storyline. Yep. For a storyline for that company, right? He didn't deserve to be fired. Um, none of the ones that got fired. I could go uh, and, and go through the entire list of them that got fired. None of them deserved to get fired. EC3 did not deserve to get fired, right? And and to make the storyline seem like, well, all you had to do was try harder. You know, all you had to do was win some people over and we'll hire you back sort of a thing just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I'm 100% happy that Drake Maverick, Rockstar Spud, whatever name he's going to continue going by, I'm happy that he won his job back. I hope they use him the way he deserves to be used. I, I'm i not sure WWE will. Their history of how they've used him before has not shown that they're good at this, right? I suggested that to be the case. And I, I firmly believe that he would ha- have had a happier and more successful career as a wrestler someplace else. Um, but maybe not as comfortable, maybe not as satisfying monetarily, right? Although I can't help but believe that his new contract is probably for less than his old contract. Yeah. I mean, look, they've said that out loud, haven't they? I don't know if they have. I mean, the, the, the big thing they did say is that his new contract is an NXT contract, 
Um, so then, yeah. <laughs> which would probably be less, yes. Um, but like I said, I just, I don't like the optics of the storyline one way or another. That's kind of my thing. Um, and and they, they, I said it was a lose-lose storyline from the beginning. There was no good ending to it. This arguably might have been the best of the bad endings, but it still was a bad ending in my opinion. Yeah, but I mean, like even as Leo Rush tweeted about it, right? And then a bunch of people were nagging on him and saying like, oh, you're just hating, like be proud for Spud and so on. And he's like, oh, I'm proud for Spud. He's like, this has nothing to do with Spud. Like, I'm happy he has his job back. That's awesome for him. You know, great. This is nothing to do with Spud. This is something to do with the company that we've worked for for so long, just spitting in our faces when you're clearly just going to hire who you want to hire back and not give us a chance. He's like, it's just completely ridiculous. I feel used, I think was the word that he used. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I 100% don't blame him for it. For sure. Um, at the same time, though, um, what did Drew Gulak do to get his... Because uh, he... Drew Gulak's was a different storyline altogether because he wasn't fired. Um, his contract was up. He was supposedly renegotiating. He wanted more money, and they said no. Um, and then as a negotiation tactic, pulled their offer, said, no, you want more money? No, now you don't get any of this money. Um, but eventually he was able to give in, and, and they worked out some middle ground of some sort, maybe for less money or whatever. But that wasn't being fired. That was a negotiation. Okay. And negotiations sometimes have... You know, uh, I I know D.A. Fabe can agree with me on this. When you're doing a negotiation, when it comes with money, there's a point that you have to be willing to walk away from it. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) You you 100% have to have a point where you say, this is my final offer, take it or leave it, and and be willing to just let them walk. And it doesn't matter whether you're negotiating million-dollar Hollywood contracts or or car sales or cell phone sales or or anything else right or um, legal contracts or legal contracts yes representation back when i wasn't a district attorney yeah you you have to have a point in the contract a point in the negotiation that is your make or break either take it or leave it and be willing to walk away from it i mean heck if you're if you're unhappy with your cell phone bill and you call up the cell phone company and say, I'm unhappy with my cell phone bill. You need to drop it. Um, you have to be 100% willing to say, if you don't drop my cell phone bill, I'm leaving to go to another com- company and be willing to back it up. Right. And pay that cancellation fee. <laughs> and pay that fee and go to another company. Right. Because because here's the deal. If, if you give a threat, give me, give me what I want or I'll leave. Give me what I want. You have you to be prepared for them to part. say then leave right and yeah. and inversely they, you have to be ready to watch but um so that's that's my only like real crime for for the week i think i i had another oh i have a small crime this is this is also ww related but it's just a misdemeanor um you know the scenes on uh last week's smackdown i don't think it was this week's i think it was a week ago um that they had Mandy Rose and Otis at the pool. Oh, the softcore porno uh, scene yeah. there, the segment. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 whole segment there, um, a blatant um, homage to 
80s movies like, um, oh, what was the one with Phoebe Cates? And I'm just blanking Fast on it. Fast Times at Mid Ridgemont High. That's it. Um, blatant play on that, right? Um, here's where the crime comes. It's come out on a podcast that that was originally supposed to be filmed at Zack Ryder's pool. No. <laughs> they wanted to use Zack Ryder's pool for that after firing him. Uh, but they didn't even have the guts to call up Zack Ryder and say, hey, I know we fired you, but we'd like to use your pool. They went through his <laughs> fiance, Chelsea Green, to ask her, hey, can we use your fiance's pool? And that that's funny, but that's just not cool, guys. Seriously. <laughs> so wait, yeah. that was actually Zack Ryder's pool? No, they ended up filming it someone else's because oh. Zack Ryder told them to kick rocks. Mm-hmm. Um. This is my pool. You're not filming here. Kick rocks. Uh, but I think I, the contract. If you film at my pool, yeah, okay, maybe maybe I'll let you just film a few scenes. The audacity, man! Wow, yeah, just, that's that's just the absolute balls of that to be like, yeah, I know we fired you like three weeks ago or four weeks ago, but um, we want to use your pool. Hey, here's the simple fact: um, if I break off any sort of relationship i don't care if it's a friendship or or an actual relationship with someone for any reason whatsoever i know and understand that i have now given up all usage of any of their property right right i don't get to any property that you have there that you left there when you broke up that's pretty much theirs now Yeah, more or less. I can't knock on any of my ex's doors and say, hey, you got a pool in your backyard I can use? Not going to happen. Nope. I mean, first of all, I knock on any of my ex's doors, my wife's going to beat the tar out of me. Um, justifiably so. So that's not going to happen. But they're also going to say, no, you can't use my pool. Ah, oh, why not? <laughs> um, maybe because we broke up 20 years ago. I'm just giving away my age, people. Or, you know, exactly. Or I can't go to my ex's place and be like, hey, I want my sweater back, but you gave it to me three years ago, but I want it back now. It's mine. No, I can't do that. Broke up. It is what it is. Whatever. Should have taken stuff before uh, bounced. You know, it is what it is. It's just, I can't believe that. That's crazy, man. Years and years ago, I worked at a hotel on overnight. They had a pool there. Um, we did not part on good terms. I have never gone into that hotel saying, hey, can I swim in your pool? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Not anymore. Give me what I want. Anyways, that's uh, all I have in terms of misdemeanors <laughs> or anything like that. Anyone else got anything? The drink I that was, That match belonged on, on this pay-per-view. Uh, it, 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 here's the deal. The Phantasma match didn't belong there. But the story was told wrong. The story was told the way they were going to tell it. But I think it belonged there so that they could have. Because I still feel like Phantasma is going to have a heel turn. And so then you could have told the heel turn and everything tonight. And then you could have had Drake get his contract extension. Yeah. I do think he knew I, that was coming on Wednesday. I'm surprised that- NXT though that definitely was a takeover moment that would have been amazing mm-hmm. yeah well that's the deal is I I'm kind of torn on how much he knew because if he if he knew about it in in advance then he deserves an Oscar for his reaction because it looked legitimate like surprise like I did not know you were gonna come out here with a contract um I'm not saying 100% he did know because I mean, acting is their job, but the look that went across his face when 
uh, Triple H slipped that contract down in his hand and held it out and opened it up. The look that went across Drake Maverick's face and then the tears that came. I felt they felt really genuine to me. Um, but, you know, he's an actor. This is his job. So if that wasn't genuine, then give the guy an Academy Award because it was phenomenal. Or it, it could have been legit, like genuine. Maybe they were in negotiations and they said, okay, well, g- give us your how much you would want. What if we were to do this? Maybe they were in negotiations. Give me what you want. What you really, really want. Tell me. Um, so, yeah. And then maybe he didn't just know the answer. So Triple H just came out because, hey, why not? That's going to look amazing on TV. Boom. Here you go. Here's the contract we spoke about. Sign it. And he didn't. He probably didn't know that they would agree to it. Maybe there were negotiations, but it still was, uh, you know, not really sure. Because I did watch that moment because it was all over Twitter. And he looked pretty stunned and shocked. And those were tears of joy. Mm-hmm. Like, hardcore. So That's why I think it was legit. I think he did not know there was a contract coming. Um, he, he might have been told that after these matches, since we still have you till July 15th or whatever it is, you know, we might continue to use you for a bit. Uh, so this this won't be your last appearance. So maybe he had like a hint that way. But I just I legitimately don't think he knew that there was going to be a contract there for him at the time. Um, but can you imagine how much bigger that moment would have been if it had been tonight? Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And what a great way to open the show. You're emotionally involved immediately. Just as a whole, that's a really good move. That would have maybe given the show an A. <laughs> Might have. As opposed to a 68%, which is 64%, which in college, I guess, is a D. Yeah. Yeah. D's get degrees. <laughs> Except for D's in your major. Yeah, true. Or, yes, you know, or like nothing but D's. Um, I am not yeah. going to say I know that from personal experience, but. D's for D's. I like D's. Oh, wait, we're still talking about D's great. nuts. <laughs> and to be fair, some some people might like D's in their major. No, no, no. Bad joke. The A likes the D. It went too far. Yeah, we 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 drug that one out too far. So, um, but yeah, I don't really uh, have commendations either. Like we went over these matches, the matches that did good get commendations. I give commendation to Finn Balor and Damian Priest. They made chicken salad out of chicken shit. That storyline was crap, and they made chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yeah. Note to self, do not try to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. (laughs) It does not turn out good. I'm just saying. I don't care if Finn Balor and Damian Priest did it. Do not. But (laughs) I want to know who has the overabundance of chicken shit and tried to make salad with it. It has like, geez, look at all this chicken shit I have. Well, let's try to make salad out of it. Throw some mayo with that. See how it tastes. Officer Smarks, because you like Googling, I would like you to, not now, but whenever you have a chance, to Google who came up with that quote. Because honestly, the creativity out of coming up with that must have been that someone had to have tried that at some point. Because I swear to God, how do you just put those two together? (laughs) Unless you know the original quote. I, I think it may be a, it might it might be an Eric Bischoff original. I've, I mean, he's I know I've heard it uh, before. 
I think it's something that probably came out of uh, farmers, to be perfectly honest. For sure. That, you know, like old down home logic. Um, but <laughs> let's see. Well, there's reports of it on Urban Dictionary going back to 2008. So it's been around at least that long. Origin of the expression. <laughs> Anyways, we'll go into that later because we don't have to bore everyone with us going over the etymology of that. Um, so I think uh, that'll be a good time for us to wrap this up and uh, move on so that someone can record an NXT review and I can maybe post that before I post this. Um, if you're lucky, you will he hear these in the right order. If you are not, sorry. <laughs> Our bad. Um, it's been a long week for all of us um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, so uh, be patient with us. I think if you're lucky, you might hear it in the chronic chronological order that they occurred, mm -hmm. not yes. in the chronological order that they were recorded. Were recorded. Exactly. <laughs> but anyways, um, but on that note, I always invite people to like share and subscribe to the podcast. Click that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you use to listen to it. Uh, that way you get notified when we put out new episodes because by the time you hear this one, it if you were subscribed, you should have gotten like three notifications in a row. Bing, 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 bing. So um, uh, also, like I said, share it. Go on to Twitter or Facebook or, or Instagram or MySpace or Friend, FriendZone or what were some of those other ones that went out of... Anyways, um, live journal and and click share with my friends and talk about us because the more people we can get listening to this, the better. Um, and then we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash raw and order WB. You, you can go there and you can support us on Patreon and get all sorts of cool free perks, including at the top level, a free T-shirt. What a great way to support. Access to our Patreon uh, exclusive Discord server. A bunch of other great stuff. So head on over there. Find out more about that there. Um, you can always follow us on Twitter. I am at Raw and Order WBU. DA Fabe is? At DA Vincent K. Fabe. And of course, JLB is? At JLB. 420 and of course real talk radio is the brand at real talk radio 8 and of course anchor.fm slash rtr you can also uh head over to our wix site the link is going to be in the pinned tweet on my twitter or in the doobly doos below um you can also find the patreon in the same doobly doos and uh links to uh jlb's feeds and everything all there as well so uh, check that out, uh, but we will see you soon with more Raw and Order WBU. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.